Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Vernon, 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 the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. Uh, it's me, Matt, once again. I hope you're all well. Joining us, as ever, is Dawn Glenn, who has told me she's just been sat here for the last two weeks since we left her on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah, I've no, I've no life. I just sit and wait <laughs> call because I'm, I'm so desperate for the company. I'm house hunting at the moment, and boy, is that fun. And, you know, it's fun enough for anybody, but when you've also got chronic illness and specific needs because of your illness, it makes it even more fun. I'm currently in a world of square meters and how many stairs, and can I fit a second toilet in? That's my life at the moment. Are you renting or buying, nope. Dawn? Buy, yes, we're looking Bye. for If you've got any houses in the Dundee area, please get in yeah. touch at Dawn Glenn too. <laughs> On Twitter. Yeah. If you just want to give me a house for nothing, that would be <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yes, if you've got any spare houses going. Yeah. Back for, after a few weeks absence, heavy on the lozenges today because she's got a bit of a, a bit of a cold, a bit of a croaky throat. It's uh, yeah. Sarah Kennedy. Apologies in advance. This is way too husky for a podcast. Um, I would not have said yes if I'd known that this was going to be sticking around on like day six or whatever I'm on now this morning i think i've coughed so hard that i've pulled a muscle so that is the energy i am bringing to this podcast recording whatever that may entail the best and the worst on the box this could be a podcast a podcast don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those anyone with a computer can make one talking telly yes that would entertain me briefly this is the custard tv podcast So we're sort of doing a bit of a omnibus edition this week with our reviews because we will be looking at Time, which started a week or so ago. Uh, That's the second series of Jimmy McGovern's uh, prison drama on Apple TV Plus, The Buccaneers, which is adaptation of Edith Wharton's uh, novel. On Netflix, we have All the Light We Cannot See, which is another adaptation, and on uh, Disney Plus, we have uh, crime drama culprits. Uh, but first of all, the what have we been watching section? Sarah says she has a list. Um, one thing that I thought I really fancied, because I'm just very nosy when it comes to people's real lives and I want to know what people are doing and why the choices they make, that sort of thing. But not something you would probably align with me is that I've been watching Soldier on iPlayer, um, which is the BBC fly on the wall sort of documentary about new recruits going into the infantry. But there are some deep thinkers there. And there's a kid with a pacifist mum who wears glasses. It's all very strange, very interesting, like like a a slice of life that I would never know, normally never know anything about or never even think about. Um, I'm also up to date on Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, I've watched, I've suffered through the worst ever snatch game on UK drag race this week. That was so bad. I'm enjoying Interview with a Vampire a lot more than I enjoyed the film. The depth and the nuance and the interest in casting a black lead and all of these sort of things that just didn't happen in the first film. It does feel Um, very you, that programme, I think. The horny bloodsucking and the terrible murders. (laughs) Yeah, I love the depth (laughs) and the subtlety and the nuance (laughs) and also the blood gushing all over the walls. And then uh, a, a rewatch of The X-Files may well be on the cards. Oh, don't tell Gary he'll come round and watch it with you. I think Did that's you what know? I think. 
the third episode of the first series introduces Eugene Toombs, a classic character. I've never I watched it solidly and religiously when I was a teenager. So I've not watched it as an adult or someone with a bit more sort of like critical awareness for what TV is and what it can do and what it becomes. It was all there. The first three episodes introduced so much that are key points for the whole series, like it was beautifully mapped out, incredibly detailed from the off. Astounding. I think I'm going to have to try and carve out time, but I, I bloody love watching new things. So it's really hard for me to circle back and do a rewatch. I'm just going to say uh, my party trick. I can recite the titles of all the episodes of the X-Files up to season seven. <laughs> but yeah, that, is, that is really cool. <laughs> In certain circles. It's only cool with some people. Um, I've done a lot of watching. I've, Sarah, I've uh, finished the first series of Interview with the Vampire. Loved it, especially when um, Claudia came into it. I think her character is so much more interesting than the, than the film version it's really good that how they explore and really are explicit about the fact she looks like a 40 year old but she then has the mind of a 20 year old or you know as, as she gets older and how difficult that is for her i also finished bodies on netflix which i loved even though it's absolutely nuts but anything with time travel if you think too hard it just won't work but I really, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed how it was concluded and that it wasn't a sort of science fix and it wasn't like killing someone. I mean, I'm not giving away a spoiler because I'm being general here, but it's it's love that, that sort of fixes things. And I, I think that's a, a really good, especially in such a, a sci-fi heavy show, I like when it brings the humanity into it in, in that sense. Um, I also finished Boiling Point, which we talked about on... Mm, um, did you enjoy that? Yes and no. I really enjoyed it, but I've never felt so anxious watching TV. I mean, the next day I was still feeling it because I have similar health problems to Robin that was explored in that episode. I felt every second of that opening scene of her um, trying to find a toilet. I think it's something that's not shown enough and, you know, it's it's brilliant that they explored it so explicitly and with a young sexy actress you know and character to show that it's something that affects a lot of different people and how the embarrassment and the shame and the awkwardness and I mean it still makes me feel a bit sweaty you know just thinking about Mm. it now so I absolutely applaud them for that just a brilliant series and four episodes didn't feel enough so I think that I hope it'll come back. I do too. Um, I also decided, because I had a bit of spare time and I was feeling you know, stressed and miserable, I thought, what can I watch that, I've, that I haven't seen that I should have watched? So I watched the first season of White Lotus and um, oh, okay. really, really loved it. I completely understand why everybody loves Murray Bartlett. So handsome and dashing in it, as well as being completely off the deep end. Yeah, I liked all the stories, and I think yeah, I'll I'll go on to watch the second season. Definitely, thoroughly enjoyed it. So everybody was right. Who knew? <laughs> They've announced HBO that the third season won't be coming next year. We've got a bit of a wait, so you might want to pad out that really. <laughs> I won't rush to watch the second season then. And I, and I just wanted to say that I'm still watching Frasier. As long as I forget that it's Frasier. Why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why? I mean, to be fair, I've finished Ghosts now and I'm so desperate for a quality half hour comedy. I just yeah. want to watch it all again because I can't find anything that's like new and good or, or new and appeals to me. So that any recommendations, a- very welcome as long as it's not the new Frasier. That was actually why I ended up watching The Fight Lotus because like that, I was looking for something half hour comedy and I couldn't find anything that I wanted. So I thought, well, I'll just see what the, the rest of it's like. I wanted to see if it improved, but it doesn't. But <laughs> it made me think, what they should have done, it not be Freddy, if it was a, a, a man who was Fraser's son from a relationship he had when he was in Boston back in the 80s, and she'd never knew that Fraser was his father until his mother's dying, and she sees Fraser on TV, and she's like, oh, by the way, that's your father. And so he has to get to know him. And this guy is an ordinary, you know, every man firefighter type guy. 
and he would have the conflict with Freddie, his other son, who's had all the advantages of being brought up rich and with you know well-to-do mm. parents. I, I think that would have been a much better way because he, this. What he hmm. basically saying is, if he had a love child with Carla in Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Now that would be some retro storytelling I would be enjoying. Yeah, because it's it's the whole Freddy thing that just doesn't work for me at all. The the fifth episode there was a lot of focus on Frasier and Alan, and I I really love Nicholas Lindhurst in it. I think he's he's really good, and I hope this leads to more you know work for him in America. I was right; they are doing the will they won't they with his with Freddy and Eve the woman he, who has the baby, they made it very obvious in this episode. I'm like, oh, don't show your hand this early, but they maybe know they're probably going to get cancelled. So. <laughs> there has been a mixed reception, though, and I think you're right, Dawn, that if you just sort of forget that Frasier was a thing. Um, yeah. Have you tried it, Sarah? On, I on watched the next event? two episodes and went, that's plenty, thank you, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't bear it especially when Frasier comes in and he and he's like right you're gonna live here now she's gonna live there what who says yes to that it's just crazy crazy business (laughs) I didn't like it at all I was I was very happy to give it the benefit of the doubt but the doubt disappeared and was um uh, replaced with cold hard facts very quickly Um, and sort of combining uh, what you were both saying, I have been watching a half-hour comedy about vampires. I've been almost finished what we're doing, The Shadows, now, the fifth seasons. It's just though, like just the actors and their sort of way they play the cat. I mean, the way uh, Natasha Dimitri, there's uh, an episode where she has to say the name Helen a lot, and it's just... Every- <laughs> Helen? See, I can't do it. I could do Matt Barry, but I can't do <laughs> Natasha Dimitri. I would uh, recommend it. And again, I don't know how long they can go. They've got a sixth season planned. I suppose it depends how much the actors are stretched, really. And uh, what we're doing, The Shadows. Also, it's been... We haven't done a podcast on since uh, Race Across the World finished. I'm assuming you watched the last episode of that. Yeah. And Sarah? Yeah, pretty yeah. upset about how that ended. We all wanted Billy and Bonnie to win when they... Yeah, you know, had to leave. It was like I don't really care. <laughs> so. Yeah, basically exactly the same. Exactly the yeah. same. I was thinking about this, and I think of the three, it was probably Mel who I liked the most out of the final ones that were left. But I think you know they built them up so much as the underdogs, Billy and Bonnie, and they had the yeah. lead. I think you sort of went off Harry every time he sort of woke. <laughs> he woke his mum up. Dawn <laughs> made a thing about that on Twitter. Let your mum sleep, Harry. <laughs> My God, she was incredible. I think she was the person that individually I liked the best. And I think a lot of people felt like that. The conversations that she was having with him and about him were so deep and so wretched and so sad and beautiful. Like people don't talk about family members like that. Certainly not grown up family members. It was very moving. Get the latest TV news direct from thecustardtv.com. Sarah, where can we, have we got any writings? Have we got any, anywhere we can find you on the internet? No, it's a shame at the moment. I've gone a bit quiet for reasons of my actual career. Okay, well, <laughs> I've got good. to knuckle down and deal with uh, my proper job stuff. Although, to be fair, don't feel sad for me because my proper job a couple of weeks ago, which is probably why I'm so ill now, um, involved running around the University of Birmingham campus doing my annual ghost hunt. <laughs> which was marvellous fun. My writings previously are on whynow.co.uk and you can find me at Sarah Hamsterer on Twitter because for some strange reason, I'm still there. And Dawn, as your other podcast, have we still got that or has the series come to an end now? Where are we with that? The series has come to an end. The Daryl Dixon spin-off season one has finished, but we know season two is coming and we're so we're going to be doing some hiatusy stuff i'm going to be doing an uh, an episode about the odyssey homer's poem uh, and its connections to this spin-off um a bit of an analysis so you'll see more of me well you'll see less of me because it'll be voiceover so you won't have to look at my face so that's a bonus so you can find that uh, on cyborg uh, queen media on youtube and um on 
Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, you can always catch up on anything I'm doing in my many fingers and many pies uh, on, again, Twitter, Don Glenn 2. And uh, we are, as ever, the Custard TV podcast. We've been on the internet for too long now. We're <laughs> episodes <laughs> dating back 11, 12 years. Uh, Dawn, another uh, pie she has a finger in. Uh, she <laughs> has written a, a review of uh, a show we are just about to talk about now time uh so that's up on there the uh fraser reboot that we talked about uh luke reviewed that and as well uh celebrity race across the world erin reviewed that and boiling points they are covering everything that we've talked about milo reviewed that so uh and um there's also a review on there as well uh, about the reckoning uh, and that's from uh, our newest writer uh, Laura, uh, you can contact us um, at Link Custard TV at Matt's TV Bytes. We are on Instagram. It's the Custard TV. Dawn as ever is doing a fine job there as well. Uh, Facebook, the Custard TV, and email Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com. And we are now going to start the reviews. And we are going back to Dawn, who has written about time, and now we'll be talking about uh, the second series of Jimmy McGovern's prison drama. So in the first season, we had um, the story of Mark, uh, Sean Bean, and you know, one prisoner and one officer, a uh, prison warden. This season, we moved to a female prison and we're following three new prisoners as they um, are inducted into their time. At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Orla, who is played by Jodie Whittaker, Orla is a single mum with three kids. She's given six months for, in her words, fiddling the lakey. Alongside her is Kelsey, played by Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us. Kelsey is a teenage drug addict who's about to do her third stage for possession of a kilo of a classy drug, which her boyfriend had made her traffic. And the third person with them is Tamara Lawrence. She's playing Abby. Um, she's doing life for murder. We don't know at first who she's murdered, but as the first episode goes through, it's revealed that she had killed her own uh, baby. Orla realises she's going to need more than one phone call to organise childcare for her children. She desperately doesn't want her mother to take care of the children, but her mum does insist and takes them. And Kelsey is very shocked to discover she's pregnant. She snuck some drugs. <laughs> I don't know the, all the names for drugs, so I'm just going to call them drugs. Uh, some drugs in, <laughs> into the uh, prison via a cavity, we'll see. And she's smoking and not interested in keeping this baby until Abby tells her, if you are pregnant, the, the judge will give you a short sentence. That changes her outlook on, on how she's going to handle this huge life-changing uh, situation to find herself in and then they're moved into a much more relaxed not an open prison but it's like a cabin three new women share a room they have some luxuries like they have a phone they can use if they have credits and they can use the bathroom and kitchen facilities whenever they like and so there's a much more communal feeling about their time in prison there's a lot more interaction with the other prisoners Kelsey has history with this woman, Tina, who says to Orla, if you want to get something done, if you want to get help, cut yourself, which Orla does. It doesn't get her far because the, the governor says, look, when you leave here, 
you're going to be living with your mum, who's an alcoholic, you're not going to have a house anymore, she's lost her job, being in prison, things that she had that were helping her to look after her children are gone because she's gone into prison. Her life is completely spiralling out of control. There is one character that's brought over from the first season, and that is the nun, played by the amazing Siobhan Finnerin from Happy Valley. We saw her helping Mark in the first season, having him as part of a group who were talking to at-risk teenagers. In this season, she's trying to have a, a group therapy kind of situation with the women, but they are naturally reluctant to speak, particularly Abby. But she befriends Abby, and Abby says, I've had all these people try to talk to me to get me to tell my story, but none of you share anything. So, you know, if you share something, maybe I'll I'll share something with you. It's a much more societal programme than the first series. I think it's a much bigger focus on society as a whole and how those women ended up in there. It's, and it's more about who we as a, as a society have let down. And obviously there's a, a theme of motherhood with, with all three of them. The different problems that come up in motherhood, that, again, we as, as society are not putting in enough safety nets and care for. The first series of Time, I was sort of very mixed on. I thought all the stuff with Sean Bean as this educated guy who had a drinking problem and was completely out of his depth in prison and was going through that redemptive process. That was all brilliant. But then there was that other story with Stephen Graham as the guard who was having to smuggle drugs into the prison, protect his son. This time around... The best thing about it was sort of the individual stories about these three women. Bella Ramsey, absolutely fantastic. I think I felt her performance. She was the sort of transformation that you talked about that Kelsey goes through in that first episode. When we see her first in the prison, she wants more methadone than she's entitled to. She does that sort of shaky sort of withdrawal so well. You know, she's constantly like moving and I thought that was brilliant and then that scene with the scan where she completely changes and then she goes to see the nurse. I think the story with Orla is very topical as you say like you know she fiddled the lackey and has been given it feels almost like a warning shot doesn't it you know if this is her first defence you would not think that she would have gone into prison for a six-month sentence And in the course of those three months, losing basically everything. I think, again, that is a sort of a very societal thing about keeping a roof and keeping your children warm, especially now, especially the cost of living crisis and everything like that is a very timely story. And then you've got Abby's story with, uh, again, Tamara Lawrence giving a great performance, very cold in a way but we then understand why she's so cold why she sort of shut herself off emotionally because you know she knows this is her life now you know she has got a life sentence I think at times it sort of slipped into the people trying to sort of cut each other and the sort of the aggression that goes on but again those things do happen so they need to be shown on screen to an extent I think but I think the the three stories that Jimmy McGovern and Helen Black, the other writer, are telling feel very timely. The characters make sense, The perfor- those three performances, and Siobhan Finneran as well. Absolutely brilliant, really powerful. I was surprised by two things. One, how different this prison is to what you would imagine to be a typical Victorian prison, which I understand is more a man's prison, those rooms must be really cold. But it was very strange that they were given a load of permissions to start with and then they're taken away rather than you have to earn privileges. I thought that was really interesting. Do we think that women are naturally more communal than men? It's just, it's a weird setup and it's something I would like to know more about. I can't imagine living in close quarters with, with people like that, especially if I if it was my first offence, it would change you. A bit like Bella Ramsey, and I found to an extent Jodie Whittaker as well, were playing so far removed from what we know them as. Physically, 
they were almost like different people. The same with Faye McKeever, really, really impressed. I didn't find it that compelling. I think maybe I'd braced myself emotionally for it being really, really horrible. And it wasn't quite as bad as I was expecting. Maybe that just means my standards for these characters are very low. <laughs> and my um, opinion of society is lower than that. Although you guys are really sweet. Because that was heroin, a.k.a. smack. Which is why she's on <laughs> We methadone. know you're the drug. <laughs> didn't say I didn't know what it was. Dawn doesn't know what it is. No, I know. Why is it you guys? And then, a, and then a razor blade, once it's put into a handle like that, I believe it's called a shiv. Oh, <laughs> I said, oh, what, what are you guys watching? Let's hope Dawn doesn't go to prison, is what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, I definitely see the purpose of it, but I don't think I connected emotionally in a way that I was expecting to. Maybe that's more me than the show. No, I no, Dawn, you wrote about it. You watched all three episodes. I felt much more emotionally connected to it. I think one of the things is, and, and again, I, I talked to Luke about this, is that with Sean Bean's character, you know, you feel great empathy and sympathy for him and you want him to be redeemed because he's so unhappy and clearly feels such terrible guilt and whatever. For instance with Orla, in fact all three characters, this isn't really about redemption, it's about our problems as society You know, and, and, and even Tamara Lawrence's character Abby who has done the, the worst thing possible, it's more about the fact that how did she end up getting to that position that she was so desperate that was the only thing she could do and with Orla she doesn't feel sorry for what she's done because she did what she needed to do to keep her children warm so it's there's not that same redemption arc there is more with with um Kelsey with Bella Ramsey's character but Orla sort of feels like the central character because we we start with her and so it's a different emotional connection because you're not there feeling gosh how awful and I hope things go good for them. Orla is more angry and frustrated and you see how these things keep going wrong for her and it's not that she is making horrific mistakes it's that once she's made one mistake everything else is is just a, a much narrower path that she can go down. It's like she's being funneled into crime and it's kind of obviously that's what's happened with Kelsey as well as a, a young teenager with no hope whatever she turned to drugs and she turned to a, a boyfriend who made her feel good and then she would do everything for him so I think it's more about what happened to them before and and what we are we should be doing to help people in that situation rather than that that redemption path which is a, a very emotional thing to watch and it makes you really feel on their side you watch this and you don't feel you know you're not feeling good about yourself because I think it's easy to see how you could get into that position and to see how things are badly done and, you know, prison itself as a concept, as you said, Sarah, you know, when you're in there with, with, with these women who are doing different crimes to you and you're then going to learn more about crime. And it just, I think it's a show that made you feel frustration and anger, but that's what you, it wanted you to feel rather than have, have a good, happy ending. I, um, it made me think a lot of... Um... Uh, help with Jodie Comer and Stephen Graham yeah. in it because the right people are not watching this program. Yes, I mean you've never put a single mother in jail, have you, Dawn? <laughs> have you? But <laughs> you know what I mean. It's yeah, it's I fine that we feel protective of them, and maybe we can like support a charity that can help, or we can volunteer with an organisation that can help. But the right people will not be watching this programme. They're busy, like, stealing people's tents in central London, aren't they? <laughs> the third episode of this will be on next week, uh, but it's a shame it wasn't on this week because the timing of the third episode, how Orla's story is left, and the statements that were made by um, our Home Secretary yesterday mm. are very um, connected. And I'll just say that. <laughs> I mean, she could say more stuff by next week, Dawn, you know. Yeah, it's... yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> just to pick up on Sarah's point with all of McGovern's dramas that he is trying to make a point about the way the world is I mean the stuff with uh, do, did you guys watch Broken the Sean Bean as a priest Anna Friel's story in that was very similar to mm. certain things that happen with Jodie Whittaker in this 
there's various things that go up, various sort of societal things that he looks at in that, and Sean Bean's priest getting more sort of disenfranchised with the modern world as it goes on and his, the various things his parishioners are having to go through. But again, like, that is almost 10 years old now and things, if if anything, have got worse. And it's good that we've got these writers telling these stories, as you said, with, with help as well, but it's not getting to the right people. The messages aren't getting out there. It almost has you there like this is going to happen more and more to these women. You know, it is so the going people, to... The people who are most vulnerable in society, like yeah. you say, Dawn, it's not that they've willfully decided I'm going to commit a crime. They've been forced into it by one reason or another or, or many reasons stacked on top of each other. Time is all up there now on iPlayer. I think we're going to go next to Netflix's All the Light We Cannot See. Get this one out of the way. We are in the German-occupied French town. Was it Saint-Malo? Saint-Malo? Yeah, yeah. We're in 1944. The Nazis have occupied this town. Uh, the Americans are consistently bombing. The Germans now have locked the gates so no one can get in or out. Uh, we uh, follow a, a blind teenager... Marie Laurie LeBlanc. Um, we see her reading stories um, over the radio. She's also broadcasting messages to her father, who she says she hasn't heard from in years, and her uncle Etienne, who also left uh, some time ago. We learn that the broadcast may not be as innocent as they seem. Her words. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Possibly are containing codes... Uh, they're helping the American soldiers with the locations. We then have our big baddie in the form of SS officer, Reinhold von Rumpel. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't laughing at your pronunciation. I was just laughing at, at the most Nazi-ish name you could possibly yeah. not see. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're not the, one for subtleties in this show, are they? No, the the actor ha, has very is basically watched Inglorious Busters a lot of times and is copying Christoph Waltz's character. From that, in the first scene, we see him in. We have got him interrogating a cafe owner as he is uh, desperate to track down Marie's location. He has also um, utilizing. Benning, uh, the young officer who uh, specialises in detecting and tracking radio frequencies. He and Marie Whelan have got a, a connection. Uh, they both listened to the same broadcast when they were younger. And as a result, even though he doesn't know her, he's quite protective of her. Uh, but unfortunately, by the end of the first episode, uh, Von Rumpel has tracked down uh, Marie. But the intentions for wanting to get to her may not be what we first thought and the first episode ends with a gunshot who shot who oh man uh <laughs> i'm aware of the book it's a publishing phenomenon people adore it i've always thought maybe i should read this it might be nice it kind of is nice weirdly just not something you thought you would say about occupied france um it's very atmospheric i mean there's so much dust in the air it looks sepia <laughs> it's very romantic French village life, even though people are dying. It's just really soppy. Uh, this is what I wrote down. All the windows are shattered, but the lace curtains are still hanging. That seems to be the image of this whole world. Terrible things are happening. And they're talking about genocide and they're talking about the resistance. And they know to an extent what's happening outside of their sort of little French bubble. 
there is this fear here. And, and as, as intelligent people, we can fill in the blanks. But it feels really sanitised. It, it's very sweet because the Nazi radio operator and, and Marie share this nostalgia for an academic radio broadcast that they both listened to when they were children. So it's this really rather sweet way of bringing this couple together who like physically cannot be together. The high camp comes from the Nazis in charge. It does feel like they are on the desperate search for the fallen Madonna with the big boobies. I was going to say, Von Rumpel sounds like a, a low, a low name. I think that's why you were laughing. Oh, my God, it's just so funny. Going to Von Rumpel. But it's kind of sweet. The um, person who's playing Marie, I mean, obviously, she's playing a blind character. I don't believe the actress herself is blind. Um, I think she is, you know. Oh, is she? I think so. Very emotionless, very expressionless for about 40 minutes of the show. There's very little going on. Um, but she's in a most terrifying situation. She's rattling around this big house. Her family are all gone, dead or missing. She just doesn't seem to be particularly worried. Oh, yeah. And there's like American bombs every night. <laughs> it's just very vacant. <laughs> um yeah, so that's weird. But still, I don't know what it was. Maybe it caught me on an emotionally uh, needy day. But I might watch the rest it's of the it. It's the cold. <laughs> it must be that. I'm feeling very vulnerable. Did, of course, watch the whole thing. I really did give feeling of like chocolate or I, I wrote down Captain Crowley's mandolin or a very long engagement. It felt very Sunday afternoon. But then you have this over-the-top German soldier on the lookout for a stone that will apparently bring eternal life, which felt like it was something from Captain America or, you know, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. It's Indiana yeah. Jones, yeah. <laughs> when does his face melt? In which episode does his face melt? I'd like to know. So it felt a bit like two things meshed together. Some of it felt so twee and stopping and and then there was suddenly swearing and murder and and violence and you'd go oh what hey, no it's supposed to be one of those nice views of the war i have to speak about mark mark ruffalo playing her father his accent and, and just to be clear the germans all have german accents the french all have english accents but obviously they're speaking french except for the waiter who was scottish that whole thing was just so bizarre again hello hello <laughs> <laughs> just basically make up your own accent just as long as you sound sort or of robin hood prince of thieves perhaps yeah <laughs> but mark ruffalo's english accent i couldn't help but think through the whole thing he sounded like richmond from the it crowd i can't even do it but it was like, oh, what? so that's where he's been all this time. He's been in a cupboard. <laughs> Why does he sound like that? It was so weird. But, you know, if you like one of these romantic World War Two epic romance things and it's all about the resistance, I have to say the third episode is a lot about her uncle uh, Etienne, who is played by the fantastic Hugh Laurie. It really upped the level of decency um, of, of acting. He was in a cupboard in that first time. <laughs> he, he was in a cupboard, yeah. But, you know, we get a lot in flashback of, of how her and her father left Paris when uh, Paris was invaded and how they become involved in the resistance. And I'd never heard of the book and I briefly read the synopsis just before we came on air. And they have changed a lot, which may explain why a lot of people are saying, you know, it's not capturing the nuance, shall we say, of the novel. It is very below the surface kind of, of TV. But I did, like Sarah, I did kind of enjoy it. <laughs> it's one of these ones where somebody say, yeah, it's not the best, but it's still enjoyable. I, I just found this really dull, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think it might have been the constant sort of dullness of the way it was shot. And as soon as we got to the 10 years earlier scene with Mark Ruffalo, I was like, oh, light, finally. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of know that's the point, but I just I I just really couldn't get into this at all. As I say, I thought Aria Mia Liberti's performance was one of the best things about it. I found her compelling and she made me care about the character. I think that's the only time I ever cared was 
are they going to find her? They're obviously going to find her because it's a four-part series. She is, I was just reading here that she is legally blind. She has got a genetic condition called acromatopsia. And they were actually looking for a blind or low vision actor to be the lead. That is really cool then because there's so, so few opportunities, especially as a lead. But yeah, not really a lot to say here. You know, Mark Ruffalo was all over the promotion for this and barely featured in the first uh, episode. Obviously, you guys are into maybe this sort of fiction more than I am, but I just sat there just wanting it to end, really. Don't pull me down. I'm not into romantic fiction. Yeah, yeah, but that's the weird thing about it, that it is very watchable, even though I would run a mile from that sort of thing. Okay, sorry. I think, again, the reviews on this have been quite mixed. Very I think mixed, it's got yeah. quite a low uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, score. But... And I wonder if they've changed it so much from the book, which is so beloved. Mm. They're probably satisfying nobody. Yeah. You can check it out yourself now on Netflix. We are moving on now to another adaptation. This is The Buccaneers. Uh, this is based on... Uh, the novel by uh, Edith Wharton and our resident costume drama expert, I would say, Sarah, <laughs> is going to set Thanks. this up for us. <laughs> I went into this knowing nothing about it at all. And I was promised a period drama. I'm a bit disappointed that this is not about pirates. This is <laughs> somewhere between the Gilded Age and Bridgerton. So it's all about the transatlantic marriage market. I uh, see it's the 1870s. And one of the lines that struck me at the very beginning was, Girls have been taught that if it isn't a love story, it's a tragedy. Nothing's changed, ladies. Uh, But this is quite ironic, given we know exactly what this programme is going to be about and what these programmes are always about. I was intrigued straight away by the colourblind casting, or is it genuinely diverse stories? I think it might be a little of both. Uh, We're yet to find out at the end of the first episode, but Conchita, one of the main characters, does mention how she stared at in London um, I think she's like black or Latina um, and how she doesn't want that for her baby. But back it up, though, we start at her wedding in New York. Uh, she's marrying Lord Richard, the groom who's worried and is thinking of backing out because she won't fit in in Britain and his parents will disapprove. Her bridesmaids are Ginny, Lizzie, Nan and Mabel. They all look and sound very modern. Um, it makes me want to go over the history of bridal dresses, uncovered shoulders in the 1870s. At the wedding, Nan has a meet-cute with a mystery man as she's climbing out of a building to rescue an earring. I think it might be Conchita who screams to her girlfriends, we're complicated and very rich, it turns out. They've got Elton John's floristry budget for this wedding. The colour palette is, in some aspects, crazier than Bridgerton's. So they do this little Spice Girls dance on the steps to introduce themselves and then names pop up next to their characters' faces, which is just It feels like this is going to be an extended music video. Strong choice for the LCD sound system cover, North American Scum, as the theme tune. I would have put money on Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Um, So they experience a lot of frostiness to their new money um, on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, Lord Richard invites all the bridesmaids to London, plus the two mums to chaperone, uh, snubbing both old money societies. And he's going to bring these debutantes to the ball. Um, exactly like the Bridgeton setup. So there's this, this guy mooning by the sea on the cliffs, as they have to. Uh, he is the Duke of Tintagel. His name is Theo. His mum says he needs to be looking for a lady of refinement. Someone else refers to this group of shrieking women as uh, arriving mob-handed, which is exactly the right phrase for it. Uh, the aristocracy are desperate. The old houses, both literally and metaphorically, are crumbling. They need new money. They need new blood uh, to patch up their system. But they do call them the American poison. (laughs) So Conchita is pregnant and she has realised that life with Lord Richard is very restrictive. So Conchita is very ignored and disapproved of. And I find her very sympathetic in her low moments when she's not shrieking with her girlfriends. Nan's sibling rivalry with Ginny is quite funny. So there's a couple of familial twists, plus some scheming that Conchita warned of at the end of episode one, which might make it a more interesting watch. If you can stomach all the shameless, fresh faced teenage enthusiasm. Uh, It does sound like I'm getting to be an old lady, doesn't it? 
And of course, this show is going to be compared to Bridgerton. It's so easy to compare it to Bridgerton. Didn't love it. But I think that's just because of how like shrill and screechy it was <laughs> and how desperate they were to sort of modernise it. Bridgerton gives me a migraine because it's so bright and colourful, but the people do sound and act a bit more like you'd expect in the Regency period. This is off the charts, bananas. This is, it's just the strangest thing. The tone is off. The tone is far too modern. Jane Austen was saying, sassy things about women's rights but she didn't have to do it through screeching do you know what I mean it can be done with like the the right sort of um tone and sensibility for the period this is not that I've not watched Bridgerton but this you know I know that that uses like modern music I sort of went off this in the opening where they all sort of went through and you saw their names the character names come up and I still couldn't work out who was who I was like struggling I did like Christine Froseth as Nan I thought she was good I mean this is very much the Elizabeth Bennett type character isn't it I think as well having read around a little bit about the book it was one where Edith Wharton never finished it in her lifetime and there was a uh, like a 93 attempt to finish it off the book and then there was at the same time like a mini series done for the BBC which had a slightly different finish and here they've got a British comedian and writer Catherine Jakeways as the main sort of adapter if you will it never bored me the energy sort of carried me through throughout there was enough going on it felt very similar to a lot of sort of 19th century literature that energy is frenetic though yeah. isn't it you kind of have to hold on tight but i think that's good you know you know as i say i was completely bored by all the light we could, cannot see i couldn't say that about this i mean everyone is very you know all the british are snooty all the americans are brash the thing they're saying here is that the americans are the wealthy ones but they all come from new money the British are all titled but have no money. So this is the clash in a way that they have to put with them because they've got the cash, but they find them completely, you know, as I say, brash, hard to deal with. And everything in those characteristics is turned up to 11. The brightness, all the the bridal costumes, all the bridesmaids costumes, and then that continues. It, You know, we've got the, um, the debutante ball thing with mm-hmm. the as she quite rightly points out, Nan, like a cattle market sort of thing. And I would say nothing that I haven't seen before in, as you said, you know, there was Gilded Age vibes in the clashes between like Christina Hendricks's character, very similar to the Carrie Coon character and the the British uh, snobbery that she encountered. You know, Sarah, you, as I say, you watch a lot more costume drama. Would this be something you would continue with or did you just find it that unbearable? It makes me want to go and watch the next series of The Gilded Age, which I've not started. But thinking about what you were saying, it could be someone's entry point. Someone like 20, 25 years younger than me could be their entry Mm. point into costume drama and and like novels of the 19th century. So let's not dismiss it. This for the millennials, is it? Exactly. Gen Z. No, we're the millennials. Yeah, Gen Z. Gen (laughs) Z. Gen Z, Z, that's right. I get them so confused. They know who they are. We're sort of top-end millennials, aren't we? Elder millennials. (laughs) And then let's hear from our Gen Xer, Dawn Glenn. This is where I'm going to shatter all preconceptions about me. Girls who are very bookish will all automatically love little women. And I absolutely hated little women because I find them all really annoying. And this is not how I feel about the Buccaneers. Yeah, like you, you Matt, when the the names all appeared as they were all prancing down the stairs, I couldn't roll my eyes hard enough. Wee, let's twirl in our dresses and say dime champagne and and screech. And I Dawn, just... they all lie in a pile on a bed together in evening dresses. I mean, that's come the... on. That that's is the, the stock image. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> This is the kind of thing I just, it makes me itch with irritation. Um, So I I didn't love it. I thought it's obvious they're trying to do like Gossip Girl or Pretty Little Things or whatever it's called. Uh, No, it's a shop. 
Um, Pretty little liars, I think. Is what but that kind of teenage, you know, rich, high living, let's, it's all gossip and falling out with your friends and romance. I watched two episodes. By the second episode, there had been three marriage proposals, which is, is too much for anyone. You've seen it all before. You know, the wealthy, tortured man who's his mother, you must find a wife and know I will marry for love, mother. And the whole, oh, once you're, you're married and you have a baby, then her husband's lost interest in her and he's uh, leaving her in, with his family in this big cold stone house. It's nothing original, but I think I think what Sarah said is best. It's if you are a teenager or you know young-ish, um, and you you haven't got into the the world of of, of literature like uh, you know Jane Austen, this would be a good a good way in. And for that, if you're a young teenage girl, I'm sure it's very up your street. I believe the first three episodes of uh, the Buccaneers are on Apple uh, TV Plus from today. Finally, Culprits. This is a crime drama from uh, Disney Plus. It will be on Hulu in the States next month. Um, It's based actually on an anthology called Culprits. The heist was only the beginning, which is focusing on different characters who were part of a heist. Each story is written by a different author in the term of the anthology, a different author writing about a different character, all of whom are connected to the same heist. Here, the theme is the same, uh, but we have one singular focus. Uh, But we do start in uh, Lombardy, Italy, we see a man who is later identified as the former stunt driver, Marcello Barry, who's being chased through his home uh, before being shot dead. But we then journey to Washington State. We meet our main character, Joe, who is played by uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who you may recognise from uh, Misfits or from uh, Utopia. He's presented initially as a suburban dad of two. He wants to turn an old hardware store in the town into a family-friendly bistro. He seems to be the ideal family man, but we get little hints that there may be more behind him than just what we see. Um, His, I think, husband, possibly partner, I don't know. Fiancé, thank you, is taking a poetry book to his book group that Joe owns, but it's got a page torn out. When he goes to pitch his new bistro to the local town council and sees a sign about a new bypass some forest land getting chopped down he gets anxious about that we then flash back three years in the past learning that joe is not joe's actual name he's david markin he is uh, like the muscle for mob boss don bardwell played by colin salmon he basically saves uh, Don's life in a scene that looks like it was plucked from a Guy Ritchie film. This gets him on the radar of Diane Harewood. This is Gemma Arterton uh, chewing up all of the scenery in the Tate Modern when we first see her. She wants to recruit uh, David for a job where he will get loads and loads of money, but he will have to give up his life as a personal trainer Things happen up to the recruitment stage of that. As the episode moves forward, we see Joe basically trying to stop these two parts of his life from colliding. But after learning of the death of uh, Marcelo, he realises it might be a little bit too late. Dawn, first you, culprits. I really, really liked the stuff in the present day. I, I loved the, you know, that juxtaposition of his ordinary life being disrupted by his past and there's this prolonged sequence of him getting uh, the bag that he's recovered from his hiding point uh, ends up in a trash lorry and trying to get it out. I thoroughly enjoyed all that. I thought that's something different and unusual. As we all know, as I've said many times before, gang stuff does not interest me at all. So the whole heist bit, I wasn't particularly interested in I, I did go oh yay Colin Salmon when he appeared literally out loud as if there was somebody there to listen as I said um, before we started recording it took me 20 minutes to recognise that the lead was um, Nathan Stewart Jarrett from um, Misfit I think he's great as a lead there's just something very watchable about him 
and his relationship with the kids. I really loved the focus of that. I was a bit worried that once we started seeing his past, that his whole kids and partner thing would just be kind of thrown by the wayside and we wouldn't see much of them. But no, it, it's, it's, that's integral to it. And that, that I think, is, the, is the, the heart of it and the best part of it. You know, the whole bit with Colin Sam and, as you say, the Guy Ritchie film shooting and whatever doesn't interest me at all. So I, I don't know if that mix works for other people. I don't know if the, you know, the kind of people who enjoy that kind of action thriller stuff would enjoy the other family stuff and him in the small town trying to make a go of it. So I don't know if the two gel, but I certainly enjoyed it as a, a different, you know, what Fubar with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger had a very <laughs> slight that same kind of thing of the, person with a secret past living a normal life and but we didn't get enough of the normal life whereas this we get a lot of it and it is brilliant to have a black gay man as the lead in an action thriller series and I thought that is fantastic and well done to them who I don't know if that's what it, what it was in the original anthology but that is it certainly gives lots of tick marks for that and it makes it clear it is something a little bit different. I love a heist. I'm disappointed to have not seen the big job yet. And I do hope that we do get to spend time seeing what happened and then we understand the repercussions better. Yeah, I just I just love all of that nonsense. I really do. She's putting a crew together. She's the brain. Oh, my God. There's a plan. There's a plan. And they're not allowed to use their real names. Exactly. (laughs) There's like building schematics on the back wall and they're meeting in a garage or a warehouse. Oh, my God. I'm so here for it. The particular long action sequence that we got was very nerve-wracking. It's so dangerous, and people don't think that it, that is that dangerous, and it really is. Never get into a bin. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> Just don't. What are you doing? I'm not. I, sounds like I'm speaking from experience, but no. Yeah, I'm, it does I'm, really. No. Just really bad idea. Especially how bad but, the council's in Birmingham now. No, I did like it. I mean, I like Joe definitely. I will happily give this. A, a good chance but with these things you never know you know when someone's going to get shot in the head to you <laughs> so it's best not to have a favorite character <laughs> and eddie Izzard is turning up at some point yeah i saw them on the on the advert and thought that's interesting yeah i, I liked it but i was no i i don't think it ever got to like a point where i was on the edge of my seat apart from the prolonged sequence you you both mentioned with the bag and what's happening to it and the repercussions from that as well with this obviously well-respected member of the community that he has now wronged. Speaking of of the bag I was actually surprised to find that it wasn't a body because it looks so big and so heavy. We're we're meant to assume it's a body especially when it starts smelling and then also, it. £50 notes. How is he going to get that converted? Yeah, I know. He must have been really kicking himself that he didn't get those in dollars. I enjoyed it. I may go back to it, but it's not, you know, I, I don't think it is as good as it could have been, perhaps. Again, hard to judge on one episode. It may get a bit more manic as it goes on and we sort of unravel the plots. And as I say, Eddie Izzard, Gemma Artisan, I think, is just on her own little little island with that performance but I enjoyed it for the most part and I thought Nathan Stewart Jarrett really good sort of central performance and believable with both of those aspects of the character that you need you need that person that you really like and obviously there's a story behind sort of how he ended up as well working for the Colin Salmon character you know there there was reference to him having quite a transient lifestyle so I hope they pick up on that at some point as well but I liked it but didn't love it I think that's where where I am at the moment but of the four things we've watched this week apart from probably second after time for me this is I think it's all going to be up on Disney plus uh, by the time you hear this and for the American listeners uh, I think it's the start of December um, on Hulu uh, thank you so much Sarah and Dawn uh, would you like to just go through quickly where we can find you on the interwebs I'll start with Sarah um, I am at Sarah Hamstera on Twitter and uh, some of my uh, TV chat is on whynow.co.uk. I am at Don Glenn 2 on Twitter and I am at Ikaloshu on 
Threads and Instagram and Blue Sky, uh, which is at K-L-E-O-F-U. There's loads of ways you can get in touch uh, with us because uh, of TV. Best way still at the moment is uh, Twitter at Luke Custard TV at Matt's TV Bytes or at Custard TV Pod. Also, we've got the Instagram. It's the Custard TV, Facebook, uh, the Custard TV and Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com. Next week on the podcast, tentatively, we'll be talking about The Curse, Murder at the End of the World and the weird James Bond themed game show with Brian Cox on Amazon, which I'm so, so curious about. But until then, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.